Doctor's Kitchen. Recipes, health, lifestyle. You know, when I say snake oil, I mean, you know, the, the difficulty I think in medicine is that there are so many experts and I'm not going to name them, but in, early on in the book, I, I talk about a couple of people I have a huge amount of respect for who are experts, you know, the professors or whatever. Yeah. And one of the one of the things is, you know, why should someone read my book? You know, what have I got to offer apart from the fact I sort of fixed my own health? Mm. And the, the reality is, is that I've been treating patients for, for years, you know, and a, a lot of experts are, you know, they, they do amazing work, you know, and they present studies on, on all sorts of things from, you know, circadian rhythm to, you know, vitamins and minerals or whatever. But actually when you apply it to the individual, that that's a, a totally different skill. And that's what we do really well, I think, as, as GPs. That's what part of our training. We're experts in people. Welcome to the Doctor's Kitchen podcast. The show about food, lifestyle, medicine, and how to improve your health today. I'm Dr. Rupi, your host. I'm a medical doctor, I study nutrition, and I'm a firm believer in the power of food and lifestyle as medicine. Join me and my expert guests where we discuss the multiple determinants of what allows you to lead your best life. Today, I'm chatting with a really good friend of mine and of the podcast, Dr. A.M. Panja, and I'm delighted to announce that he has finally written an incredible debut book called The Health Fix. Now, today we're going to talk about a number of different things, the potential for health coaches to unlock huge benefits to the NHS, something that I think is a really underutilized resource, the IDEAL framework, that's I-D-E-A-L framework for behavior change. Again, this will become clear during the episode. And also how to understand your biology and fix symptoms using something called the health loop. Again, we talk about that in the episode as well. And this is great because I think in this episode in particular, we talk about things that don't get near enough attention, which is an understanding of our biology and the interconnectedness of our hormone, nervous, cardiovascular, gastrointestinal, and immune systems that are usually talked about in silos. And when you understand how these systems interact with all the other factors externally and internally, then we can figure out how to get to the root cause of why people are experiencing symptoms or conditions that they've been diagnosed with. And if you understand this, you can help yourself. And that is the holy grail of basically everything that I'm trying to put out there with the podcast. Rather than you having to come to me for advice, I want you to become so intuitive and so aligned and so informed about the biology of our human bodies that you can treat yourself. Ian is one of the UK's most influential GPs. And this book is packed with practical tips built around novel frameworks with Tons of case studies, I think, and I think the stories are critical to communicating this information in a in a, a more sort of practical way. Um, 
as well as a focus on the evidence and the science as well. It's fantastic. It's hot on my recommendation list for anyone who wants to understand their health better. And remember, you can watch this podcast on YouTube right here. If you just click on the link, which is in your podcast player, you'll be able to see it on YouTube. If you're watching it on YouTube, well, congratulations, you're already there. And make sure you do subscribe whilst you're there. And do check out my Eat, Listen, Read newsletter every single week. Plus, you can check out my app, The Doctor's Kitchen, which is on the Apple App Store right now. We've got hundreds of recipes, and if you want to take your health that little bit further and get creative in the kitchen in a healthy, delicious, and flavorful way, then go check it out right now. There's a free tier, plus there's plenty of recipes that we're adding every single month. And yes, I am building an Android version. It's taking a little bit more time than I'd like to. Before we get started, here is a quick word from the people who make this podcast possible. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Well, first of all, congrats. Thank you so much. Yeah. How do you feel? Nervous, actually. Yeah, very good. It's, it's been a, a long journey and um, I'm just glad to be here. But now bit of trepidations creeping in in terms of how the book lands but um but yeah really glad that I sort of finished it and it's it's out there what are you most worried about I think I think you know I'm talking to someone who's written loads of best-selling books I think you know that feeling of yeah just what are people going to think of it you know is it does it make sense and and the thing about writing a book as you know is that you 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 lose yourself in it and you know on the way here today I was thinking do you know what I actually I've forgotten what's in the book even though I wrote it and I was sort of reading through it thinking you know um oh yeah I forgot I wrote that you know and it's <laughs> it's a really odd thing isn't it even though you've created something you kind of wonder whether whether what's in it actually you suddenly have these doubts and you think oh you know it's, it's that imposter syndrome thing isn't it it's like is this actually valid but you know i, I don't know I'd, i'll take your view on it because you've read it so uh you mate know. I, I know we were saying this before <laughs> when you asked me like do, do you actually like it and i was like hey no, i love it i oh, think it's brilliant and it's really good and i i genuinely mean that and i i knew it was going to be a fantastic book and i know it's going to be a bestseller because you've been ideating this book this this the, the copy the structure of it for years yeah. and you can tell i can certainly tell being a gp 
that you've been in the game for, I mean, almost a quarter of a century now, right? It's, yeah, it's pretty crazy really when you think yeah. about it. Yeah. yeah. And that really comes out in the book and the way you've laid it out and the refinement of it. So I think it's fantastic. And the, where I wanted to start with this is when you're reading the book back, how, what kind of frame, what kind of mindset are you reading it from? Are you, are you trying to think about, okay, how can I pack more into this book or from the perspective of a reader who's picking this book from the first time, what their opinion is going to be? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, from an author point of view, I always think, oh, I didn't put this in there or that in there, you know. Um, but from the reader point of view, I want it to be really easy. And in, in, in one line, people often kind of go, what, what's your book about? You know, which is actually a really hard question to yeah. answer, isn't it? Elevator you know, pitch. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that, that sort of 10-second pitch. What is it? And really what the book is, is it's a way of improving your health by laying out your story and understanding your story. So it's very individual. It's not just about, yeah, you know, you need to exercise a bit more and eat a bit better. We kind of know all that stuff. Um, this is much more tailored to the reader. So immediately when you pick up the book, I start with my own story and how my health kind of collapsed when I was 40 and how the book contains in a way this formula that you can apply to anyone, you know, anyone can pick this book up and lay out their health story and think, hang on a minute, I can see what I need to do to improve my health. And it's not necessarily the things that people might think are the things that improve our health. Yeah, yeah. And when you were writing the book, I'm sure you had a similar issue to me in that you probably wrote a manuscript that was way too long uh, at the start and you had to go through that period of refining and just shredding. And, you know, I've heard authors say that you almost have to kill your babies in the sense that there are so many chapters that you want to cram in there. But from the perspective of the reader and someone who actually you want to take on a journey, you've had to cull a bunch of, stuff how was that process for you yeah it's it's interesting because um actually i had the opposite because I, I wrote it in such <laughs> pressured conditions and actually at the back of the book there's a an acknowledgement section and i'm you know i don't want to put a downer on it but it's very frank about the fact that i had to really cram this into spare time that i don't have you know because i'm so busy um but so i didn't i didn't have um too many words on a page but I had so many ideas and and actually recently I was thinking um oh you know it's a silly thought this but oh I didn't put anything in there about gargling activating your vagus nerve you know it doesn't yeah. matter it doesn't yeah. need that in the book but but you know um so silly things like that pop into my head but but I think what I've tried to do is keep it sort of so there are sections in the book called deep dives where you have to go into the science because I think it's all well and good kind of taking the reader on a journey of their own health. But some people and a lot of people want to know what's behind that, what's under the bonnet, you know, why will this help me? And so there are some quite, I say, sciencey sections, which some people might think, hang on, this is just like too deep for me. Fine, just skip over it and carry on. But um, so I've tried to keep it relevant to the reader. And, and I think I'm, I'm really hoping it will just relate to each person and you'll spot yourself in the book I think because um, the sections of the book are, are very very sort of structured and I'm not a structured person but I realize people <laughs> like structure um, so it starts off with the foundations you know which is the first bit and the foundations of our health are really two things one is 
our behaviours and the other is our biology. And if you don't really have some understanding of those two things, you can't really improve your health. So I kind of spend quite a bit of time taking the reader through how to, you know, what, why our behaviours are important, how to change them, you know, and I've got some nice little frameworks in there that, that I think work, that I've used myself, you know, a lot of it is, is, is not just from myself, actually, a lot of it's learning from patients and their stories over the years. Um, for example, behaviours, there are only, you know, we, we all know the theories on behaviour change and, and, and the great work that BJ Fogg does, for example, on, you know, you have to have, you know, motivation, ability and prompt you know we used to call it trigger and you need these three things in order to change behavior yeah great we, we sort of know that and, and and thankful to him for, for creating that framework but actually if you think of real life there are only a few reasons that people change their behaviors so one for example is tragedy you know so you know your best friend dies of a heart attack and you suddenly think you know what, that's it, I'm going to change my behaviours. You know, no one wants that one. Another one is one I call in the book Under Orders. So you get on a flight, you can't smoke if you're a smoker. And actually you can sit on a flight for 14 hours and not think of smoking. But as soon as you get off, you want a fag. And it just shows you how powerful the brain is when, when you're in certain instances. Another one I call friendly jealousy. So this is one where you you turn up like like I have today at your place, and I sort of see that you're you know you're you're well built, you look amazing. And I think you know I want a bit of that, so I sort of go away and think, yeah, I'm going to you know spend a bit more time looking after myself because I want to look like Rupi, you know, and and so so it's very sort of relatable to people. These are re it's it's very real, and and there's I've tried not to use too much jargon in the book because I think, you know, a lot of people like that kind of academic, very highbrow, serious stuff great you know we can we can do that but actually is it relatable I'm not so sure and yeah. so I really want it to be relevant to people yeah yeah and I, that definitely comes across it's funny you say you're not a very structured person because on reading the book it I definitely get the impression that there is structure whenever you see a patient it might not be apparent to you but you know when you're describing some of the clinical cases I really get this idea of okay there's Dr A and he's in his clinic and someone comes in and he's already thinking about how the biology is related to the systems and how he's going to prescribe them you know a lifestyle prescription based on some of the other sort of uh, diarizing and and, and uh, a, a bit of more um, in-depth knowledge about the triggers for their symptoms yeah uh, i yeah. probably said that in the wrong order there but like for, from from reading the book i really got the impression that that there is a lot of structure whenever you see someone coming into into clinic yeah there is a little bit it's weird because as a gp the difference between us and hospital doctors is that we see the same population with different presentations. So it's about the person. Whereas in hospital medicine, arguably, you know, one of my best friends is a, a head and neck cancer surgeon, but so he's seeing the same conditions, yeah. but different people, you know, so the lens is slightly different. And, and normally what happens on the phone or in person is someone tells me a story. And if it's not something defined, like, oh, I've, I broke my leg, you know, went to a and &E, I'm going back to fracture clinic, um, I need a sick note and some pain relief. That's, that's pretty well defined yeah. and you don't need any of this stuff. Yeah. But if it's, if it's something nebulous and it's like, well, I've just not been feeling right for a while, you know, I get bloating after meals, I've been getting these headaches and 
my joints ache a bit and I've had loads of bloods and they're normal. You know, that's Which is like a daily thing. occurrence in GP. Like yeah, you're exactly. always going to have people coming in with pretty much that description. Yeah, and, and, and three things light up in my brain, really. Number one is I think, okay, could this be an early warning sign for something that's going on internally? So in that biology section at the beginning, I talk about how symptoms relate to systems. So if you, if you are getting aching joints, it means there's something going on in your biological systems that is awry, that needs fixing. And then I let, you know, I let the patient sort of tell me the story and um, I fit it into what I call the health loop, which is really the first part of the book that lays out your story. So you and I sitting here now, there are eight things that give rise to our health right now at this moment in time and not in any particular order they are diet exercise stress sleep genetics environment exposure to sunlight and historic infections which i'll come back to so they're pretty they, sh they should sound fairly obvious to most people and the way that i blend it into the story is everyone's story is different and then you lay out these eight factors and if I haven't got enough info, I'll often ask the patient, tell me about your typical day. Because a lot of those will drop out, you know, so they'll sort of go, well, you know, I, I work in a bar and, you know, I go to work at 8 p.m. I get back at 4 a.m. So immediately I'm thinking, wait a second, you know, you're, mm, that's not great for sleep, you know, or whatever. And so you get these clues. And then once you've laid that out, that in itself is often enough for people to think, hang on a second, you know, there's, there's something really obvious here. So for example, why historic infections is important is that they often leave a stamp on your immune system and leave you with mystery symptoms like fatigue or problems with your gut. So, but people often don't think like that and doctors don't think like that. We often ask about, oh, when did it start a couple of weeks ago? And we sort of forget the rest of the story that really starts when we're born. Um, so, so you're quite right in, in some ways. I, I do sort of I am sort of thinking that. So that's, so one the three things I'm thinking is, how does it relate to the health loop? What's your typical day like? And I match it then to their past medical history that I've got on the computer yeah. usually. And the three things together will enable me to then effectively ask them to mess around with their habits. And the messing around bit is what I call how, what, and when. How you eat, what you eat, when you eat. It's not good enough to kind of go, well, yeah, your diet's okay. It, it, it is sometimes, if, you're, if you don't have health issues, you're lucky, but sometimes those things are really important, you know, and there's a case in the, in the book where there's a guy who's relatively healthy, but he eats standing up. He's a hairdresser, so he never sits down. What's the problem with that? Well, your digestive enzymes don't get enough of a chance to work. So, you know, immediately there's something you can change there, sit and eat, you know. So it's, so the lifestyle prescription bit is often, I used to write them on post-it notes because they were li literally sort of two or three little things that I think are manageable that they're going to be able to do. There's no point in writing a list of stuff that no one's going to be able to do. Um, and that's it, they go away and, and, it, and it seems to, it, it works. I think that's the thing. And having done this on myself, I know that these, these small things make a big difference. You know, if you make sort of subtle changes, um, you can completely change how you feel. Totally, yeah. So we've talked a, a bit about uh, the, the biology, the behavior change element and the structure that you use. And I, I guess the whole book is full of examples of how you 
put this into practice, but also how the, the user, the reader, hopefully there'll be hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of people reading it, can also action this in their lifestyle today. Before we get onto that bit, let's talk a little bit about the systems. Yeah. So the systems by which the health loop or those different eight uh, elements. Yeah. What do you call them? Eight elements or eight? Yeah, just eight factors in eight the factors, health loop. That's yeah, it. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So the, the six systems that you know mm. uh, essentially work in in alignment with those. What what are those systems yeah. that we're talking? About? Absolutely. Yeah. So um, they're everything that works together in our body. Um, so your gut is one. Cardiovascular system is the other. Your nervous system, your musculoskeletal system, your hormonal system and your immune system, which overlaps greatly with the gut because about 70% of our immune system is in the gut. And there's two important points here. The first is even as doctors, when we were trained, we didn't learn that all of those things communicate with each yes. other. Yeah. They're interconnected. And to give you a really crude example of how they work, if anyone who's stayed up really late and revised for exams, like, like I, I used to with 10 cups of coffee through the night, you know, and, you know, popping caffeine pills and stuff, you know, the next morning when you're going in and you're sleep deprived, if you think of what those systems are doing, you know, your gut is churning, your heart's like racing at like 150 and your brain is just buzzing. And, and again, so I've just mentioned the nervous system, the cardiovascular system and the gastrointestinal system. And in a way, although that's a very short term example or, or the example of you know, a tiger jumping out at you and what would happen with flight or fight. Um, that um, happens in the longer term, in slow motion to us as, as, as human beings when the systems start to go wrong. And the example I give is the one of a house, you know, and a house or a flat, you know, this place has several systems. It's got an electrical system, it's got a plumbing supply, it's got, you know, um, carpentry, it's got all sorts of systems that, that make a home. And a really good example of how symptoms relate to systems going wrong is the leaking shower. You know, if you if you sort of see a brown patch on your ceiling, there aren't any in here actually, but, <laughs> but um, you can either sort of like paint over it, uh, which is not the right thing to do, um, or you just wait. And if you wait, what happens is that, you know, eventually the plaster gets wet and then it comes down the wall, goes into your light switch, screws up your electrical system, then it affects the Wi-Fi, then it, you know. And in the same way, the same sort of thing happens in our bodies um, and symptoms are often an early warning. I've got to stress here, I don't want people to kind of rush off to their GP if they yeah. sort of think, oh, you know, this doctor said that, oh, this could be an early warning symptom yeah. or something else. The whole point of this is that you can work through this yourself. It's 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 not a self-help book exactly, and it's but it's definitely in that, area of self-care but it's much more targeted rather than hey you know what i'm going to just be healthy and eat lentils this week no it doesn't it doesn't always work like that because lentils may not suit you and this book kind of helps lay those things out with yeah. with i say clever tools but they're very simple really they're very simple yeah i think that one you know takeaway from the book that i hope readers get are the interconnectedness of all those different systems you know, I think what you said is absolutely correct and probably, unfortunately, is still correct with the medical schools today where you're taught about the gastrointestinal system, you're taught about, I don't know, let's say, gastritis, for example, mm -hmm. and you're taught about antacids, the particular triggers, but you're not really taught about what could be driving that and how that can have an influence on all other uh, uh, parts of the, the body as well and all these different symptoms. Yeah. 
nor you talk about sort of the the eight factors that could be having an impact on that gastrointestinal system yeah. as well. I, I think you're right. The, the other thing I notice is that we're definitely in a world of, you know, why, not what, you know, and, and medicine gives you a lot of what, you know, when you go to the doctor, it's like, oh, you've got this um, and well, why have I got it? don't know but try this and it doesn't work come back and we'll try something else that that's very common occurrence you know and, and I, I still do that you know I'm not saying I don't do it but it's, it's not really adequate in 2022 to to kind of have that model and sometimes people are like well why have I got it and and and, and I think one of the things I really hope is that this book really gives you a lot of why rather than what so for example you know I know you know this but the, the the child who's sort of born slightly premature, not breastfed for whatever reason, maybe born by cesarean section, has a load of antibiotics when they're young for ear infections and tonsillitis. Just those factors mean that this child is likely to have some gut symptoms at some point. Um, what can you do about it? Well, you have to buy the book. No, what, <laughs> what, what you can do about it is quite a lot, really. A, yeah. being aware of it uh-huh. is, is, is half the battle. You know, people don't know this stuff often, um, although awareness is, is, is increasing. And secondly, just making sure that, um, you know, how to look after your gut flora, for example. I'm no, I'm no expert on gut flora, but I know enough to hopefully tell people, you know, give people enough info to kind of look into that so it's that kind of thing it's sort of you know nudges and small changes but tailored to you yeah totally and so guiding people through the book so we've learned a little bit about systems all those different uh systems the the six of which we just mentioned um we've talked a bit about the factors so the health loop and figuring out what the factors uh could be that driving the issue Mm. the symptoms that you present with and then you drill down into a few key sort of um activities that you tend to send away uh, your, your patients to, to do in their own time or if you have time to do it in the clinic as well one of them you just mentioned um was similar to what you mentioned is basically just doing a diary mm. of like okay yeah. when were you born what yeah. were your early insults what were your early health complaints and that what what are the other sort of things that you tend to do either in clinic or get the patients to do when they come back and see yeah you yeah time? so so that that's a really interesting one and it's very individual because sometimes just the health loop how what and when and a lifestyle prescription which normally exists which is basically the health loop but kind of flipped on its head it's like well you know you need to eat earlier or you need to change the type of exercise that you're doing or you need to move house you know because it's full of mold or whatever you know because something will come out so environment is like a big that bit of the health loop is a sort of dumping ground for for lots of things but um the other things I, I tend to do, if nothing comes up, then then what I do is what I call drill down and diary up, yeah. which is what you were referring yeah. to. Drill where, down, diary up. Yeah. I, I love that sort of phrase. <laughs> yeah, and, and in the book, there are a couple of cases where nothing seemed that obvious. It was like, well, this person's doing everything right. Why are they, why are they ill? Um, and what that does is it really dissects a particular you know, area. So for example, people might say to you, well, no, I'm, I'm really, you know, and this happens a lot. It's like, no, no, I'm really fit. I exercise a lot, you know, and I'll give you, actually, I'll give you a real life example of this. And, and you may have heard this before, but um, maybe about 15 years ago, I saw a chap who was really on the surface, really healthy, absolutely, you know, built like a bodybuilder. 
and I, I remember he, he went to the local neurologist. He was on all sorts of quite heavy drugs that we wouldn't necessarily prescribe in general practice, but the neurologist had tried him on them and none of them really worked at all, maybe a little bit. And he'd come back to see me for a follow-up and um, was just in tears going, oh, just, my life's just, this is it, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do. I can't live with these headaches. And, and this is before I knew any of this stuff and I hadn't really worked it out. It was a long time ago. No, it was nearer, nearer 20 years ago, to be fair. But, um, and I said, uh, look, I'm, I'm really... I just don't know what to do. I'm really sorry, you know. I go, but you're obviously, you know, still going to the gym. <laughs> yeah. And he goes, he goes, oh no, this, yeah, I, I do go to the gym, but this is, this is six cans of tuna a day, and I just went six. Wow. I was like, it was like a record scratch. Yeah, and I was like, yeah. Wait a second. I don't know anyone who eats six cans of tuna a day, <laughs> and I went. I go, do you, do you mind swapping that out for chicken? Because it's just a bit odd. Anyway, his headaches went. Yeah. And the point is, there's nothing clever there at all. That's, you know, a 10-year-old could could sort of figure that out. But but um, it feeds, you know, the system in the book will will reveal that. Because, you know, when you when you actually look at the factors in the health loop, that would pop out. Um, yeah. Or if I, if I got him to tell, tell me about his typical day, which I, I probably asked in a different guise back then, but in a much more newbie GP style way. Because yeah. you just want to get crack on, don't you? And get through the fact that he's got headaches. You want to give him something that's going to help. And, yeah, yeah. Um, that would have come out. And so I don't. I still don't know to this day whether it was the mercury in the tuna, whether he's allergic to some, you know, he's got some sort of non-IgE allergy, which I cover in the book, to tuna, or whether it's the BPA in the tin. I have no idea and I don't care because it doesn't matter. Yeah. The point is he's sort of fixed his health, you know, yeah. health fix. That's that's the point. You know, that's a really simple example. And in the book, I talk about the power of too much and too little. Yeah, you know? I was literally going to come back to that because that, that's almost like a good heuristic for anyone to sort of take a, a, away, you know, too much of something or too little of something equals potential. Yeah, but you, the other beauty of that is you get this, you know, it's a bit like when you, not that I have, because I, I can't do it. And I always I have to say, I always call the emergency services. But if you're changing a tyre, you know how you, you've got, <laughs> you know how you sort of have to do that. Yeah. And actually, yeah. although your right and left hand are going in opposite directions, you get this double kind of torque. Uh -huh. And it's the same if you've got not enough of something that is giving you a health issue but also you've got too much of it as soon as you sort of reduce the too much and add in a bit of support on the other side um a really really good example of this is cramps a load of people get cramps but they're drinking five cups of coffee a day and they're probably a bit low on magnesium because their diet might not be fantastic and again you reduce the caffeine boost the magnesium and the cramps go away it's it's, it's not rocket science you know but again I, th I think the other difficulty is, you know, even colleagues of mine, doctors, find it all a bit, they're like, oh, is it safe to recommend that? I'm like, what are you, <laughs> you know, and, and you're not sort of prescribing a drug and, and things like magnesium are available over the counter from yeah. pharmacies and health shops and stuff. So it's, you know, people, the public know a lot of this stuff already. But actually, when you, when you, when you see it in print and you, you've got like a framework to hang it off that's, you know, safe and kind of, you know, not, not, I'm not giving anyone specific advice. It's more laying things out. I think it just makes it doable. Yeah. Yeah. I want to move on to, because we've gone through the diarise and drill down. Yeah. I think one of the, the biggest issues within general practice or just day to day mm. is actually 
putting that lifestyle prescription into practice or any behavior that you've chosen yeah. to put into practice you know uh, maybe you want to start going to the gym in in january february or you want to reduce alcohol intake i'm not talking about yeah. you personally yeah, but yeah. How do you, you know, know? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you've got this wonderful you know framework of thinking mm. about it that comes up time and time throughout the book and yeah. I, I guess you're putting this into practice whenever you are giving your lifestyle prescription. Or oh, what if we could talk a bit about yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, this is a really, really key point. And, and I'm sure most GPs and anyone who works in coaching or psychology or any of those fields recognize the person that just cannot get started with something or just doesn't do it. And, you know, I have to say as a young doctor years ago, I used to get really frustrated and, and quite annoyed actually with, it's like, well, why haven't you done it? You know, it's like, you know, I thought I thought we'd agreed you were gonna, you know, you haven't even, whatever it is, whether it's taking the new tablets or whether it's sort of making changes to lifestyle. Um, and, 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 and that's because, you know, our brains and, and the way that they're structured, you know, you have these three brains, the lizard brain, the monkey brain, and then the adult brain. And again, most people know this, but, but a lot of people don't. The lizard brain is very simple and can only really sort of eat and sleep. And then the monkey brain, monkeys, uh, you know, I was going to go into an anecdote about um, when I was in India and um, a monkey stole my wife's samosa. But, uh, but anyway, that, that is the anecdote. But the point is they're, they, they're jealous, you know, yeah. and they act on impulse. And the adult brain is sort of mature. And the problem is, you know, if you are stressed or tired or hungover or you know in a in a bad mood your monkey brain which we all have so we all have all three brains you know the sort of the you know the kind of hind brain the midbrain and the forebrain um the monkey brain comes into into play it's like you know things like jealousy for example and one of the things to try and reinforce in the book is you've got to know when that monkey brain is hijacking you, you know, so when you kind of think, wait a minute, I'm feeling jealous that my friends, you know, bought this lovely new car and I've got an old one, that that's your monkey brain, you know, because adults are mature enough to think, great, good for him, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm, you know, um, so part of it is that and part of it, and, and that that's one of the reasons why we, you know, I've done this myself, you know, as a, no, no shame, there's no shame. And that's another thing about being compassionate to yourself, which is a big part of the book. But, you know, years ago as an on-call, tired on-call doctor, I used to eat a whole pack of donuts, uh, the whole lot. I'd get this pack of four from one of the main leading supermarkets. Um, and yeah. and uh, the jam donuts with yeah, sugar yeah, yeah. on the outside. I know the ones, and, I know the ones, yeah. And, and they'd be gone. And I'd sort yeah. of feel terrible afterwards and think, oh God, I feel awful, you know, not just physically but also kind of like god what have i just done you know yeah. but that's my monkey brain because actually it just sees it's like the samosa it's like oh yeah no i want that but but you've got to kind of think wait a second you know you've got to sort of check your when you when you're in a monkey's hijacking you um the other thing is something called the ideal framework which i have used myself time and time again because i'm i find it very hard to change behaviors and i'm very easily led into that monkey brain you know if you said to me now let's just like Get the, get the Eurostars of Paris and like, yeah. go and have lunch and yeah. stuff. I'd, I'd say, yeah, let's do it. Because I like, I'm quite impulsive. But but the ideal framework is, it's called ideal because that's what the acronym stands for. I is for identify, D is define, E is engage, A is act, and L is look back. 
And you can apply this to anything if you want to either start a new behaviour or, you know, stop a bad one. So one that I had was years ago, I used to get given in my old practice in North London, I used to get, you know, lovely patients who bring some food with them to every appointment. It's a really urban part of North London. Um, and they weren't particularly healthy foods, but they were really tasty. Yeah. And, 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 you know, I'd always sort of stick them in my drawer. I'd go, oh, thanks ever so much. And I'd, I'd stick it in my drawer so it didn't affect the consultation because otherwise it's sort of a... And, um, and by the end of the day, you know, by seven o'clock or whatever, I'd be quite peckish and I'd open the drawer and there'd be some biscuits or cake or whatever. And I'd just monkey brain style. Yeah. I was tired. I'd just eat it and I'd, I'd put on a load of weight and I just I felt terrible. But I loved it, you know, and I thought, how am I going to stop this? And then so the first thing I did, which is part of the engage bit of the ideal framework is engage is really when you sort of think, right, I'm going to do this, you know, so I, I identify as knowing I've got to stop this. Define is what have I got to do? Well, I've got to stop eating this stuff and eat something healthier or, or eat nothing. And E is engage an environment where you sort of have to control your environment. So I sort of said, what I'd do is I'd, I'd go, oh, that's really kind, but do you mind leaving it at reception? So they, it wouldn't be in my room and it was sort of away from me. So I couldn't get to it. You know, I'd have to physically go out of, the, out of the, my room. Um, and then act, act or activate, which is the sort of, you know, the A, is really when you start doing it. And what I started doing was replacing that with a banana and an apple and some berries, I think. Uh, or, or maybe I've got that slightly the wrong way around. Bananas definitely sort of came into it at one point because yeah. I realised berries had a bit of an accident in the car one day, and so um, <laughs> uh, berries weren't great. But but the but actually, what what, what the, the key thing with this is once I started eating that and not the biscuits, two things happened really. One, I felt a lot better very quickly, and I thought I've got a load more energy now because I, I you know eating all that stodgy stuff, although it's really tasty should really be a treat, not something that you have all day, every day. Yeah. Um, and I felt a lot better, which made me sort of, you know, which is what the L is, this look back where you should sort of reward yourself for doing, yeah. you know, to, for actually doing it. It's like, well done. You know, I still do it today, actually. I'm, you know, I exercise wise, I, I, I'm always into cheats and stuff. And um, I, I do, it's just me, but because it works for me, I, I do press ups first thing in the morning. You know, I hate doing them. I've never liked them, never liked them. But I know it's kind of helping me and it's better than nothing. And as soon as I've done them, I feel smug that I've done them, you know. And what's weird is you can just do more and more and more. So I started with two, but now I'm not going to tell you how many I can do, but because I, I'd, I'd lose on a press up off. <laughs> but, but the point is, um, it doesn't take long to kind of, you know, yeah. that whole thing about habits and how they sort of improve over yeah. time. Yeah. It takes, people think it goes like that and it doesn't. It kind of goes Creeps. like that. You yeah. have to just stick with it. Yeah. But, um, so, you know, and if, if I forget one or two days, I think, well, actually, I haven't done the press-ups today, but I'll just do them, you know. And so it's the same. So that framework, you know, which, you know, you can you can see in the book is is just so easy. Yeah. You can You can apply it to anything. And then it's that plus being aware of that monkey brain, you know, yeah. thinking, no, no, hang on, I know what's going on here. You know, I, th I think those are some of the biggest takeaways for me uh, from the book. A, being aware of what you want to try and change uh, or being aware of where you want to go and actually visualizing that. Uh, and B, being aware of the importance of reinforcement. 
I, I think uh, reinforcing and, and literally like saying things to yourself in the mirror or writing something down in your notes uh, that I, I, I do this every day. I, I look at my affirmations every single day and it just kind of gives me that direction of where I'm going as well as reminding myself of like, okay, positive reinforcement and the compassion element as well. I think those three things, awareness, reinforcement and being compassionate to yourself when you do have like a couple of days off. Like silly example, yesterday I had to go to Birmingham I couldn't do my normal workout routine. I couldn't stretch. It meant that I was a bit like stiff on the way back, coming back on on, on the rail. Um, and it's very easy to fall into the habit of like, oh, I can't believe I, I missed that. And this is why I'm in pain. It's my own fault. I should have made time. I should have woke up earlier, all that kind of stuff. But actually the compassion element, I think is really, really important. Yeah, beating yourself up, you mean? Yeah. yeah that kind of thing, yeah. There's, there, there is a section there about, um, I call it, you know, think different, feel different, mm. but how? And and I think people struggle with this. It's like, oh, people always tell me to. And and and, and I, you know, I've got, my, I have them myself. We all have them. But these kind of cognitive distortions, like overgeneralizing. So you know, if a mate suddenly cancels on you and can't meet you for dinner, you think, you know, someone might think, oh, maybe he doesn't like me. You know, you jump to conclusions, don't you? And so there's a whole section about not. Again, that's a little bit of the monkey brain thing, kind of, you know, those those negative emotions are really easy to creep in, you know, and, and, and so there is a little bit of, bit of that later in the book, because what, what I, like you were saying, what, what, what the book does, it starts with behaviours and biology, so that's the system stuff and the behaviour change stuff, then it goes through these real world cases, and they're based on, over the last 25 or so years, all the kind of health wishes people want or the commonest things I hear as a GP, which aren't easy to resolve, you know, so things like pain, fatigue, gut symptoms, um, mystery illnesses, you know, things that are not resolving. And it's all through the framework, the health yeah. loops laid out and you see exactly what each person went through. And then at the then towards the end, there are these sections, you know, which kind of give you a bit more nuance. And then right at the end are effectively a bunch of health hacks. And, and I know a lot of, you know, with, without kind of stereotyping, a certain type of person will want to jump to the end because yeah. they'll think, wait a sec, why, there's no point in reading this whole book. I'll just go to the hat. It won't work because A, you don't need all of them. B, you're probably doing some of them anyway. And C... You know, you want to tailor the ones that you want to you, you know, do you know what I mean? And actually the only way you can do that is by understanding your own story. And that's that's the powerful thing about this. It's not, you know, every reader takes away something different from it. And at the end, you, you kind of write down what you notice in week one and week two, and it'll just hopefully kind of, you know, I'm really, I'm really excited to see. Yeah, it's gonna be awesome. Yeah, <laughs> and, and I think what, what the section uh, in particular, which is, really about the the stories and the way you narrate the, them and, and and how you uh guide the reader through your sort of structure in your head and, mm. and how you you know came to hopefully a successful outcome with, with, with these patients mm. i think that resonated with me particularly and i think it will resonate with readers as well because a lot of people will read those stories and be like that's me that's me with the pain that's me with the intractable headaches and although they might not have the same root cause to their symptoms, mm. you've taken them through the health loop, 
the lifestyle prescription and actually how you drilled down and diarized and you know went through all those different structures to come to a conclusion to come to a diagnosis and to come to a, a formula as to you know how they can help themselves so then that's going to be super important for for, for people yeah I, th- I think so and i think what i, what I also i'm very when I, at the beginning, when you asked me how I felt and I said, I feel nervous, one of the things I'm nervous about is, you know, colleagues, other doctors, what are they going to think? You know, because, because should I really care? Well, no, I do a bit because, you know, actually it's important that your peers don't think you're some sort of, you know, snake oil salesman or something, which I'm not. But the, the point is that this, this, what's in this book is common sense. And what I would love to happen in the future, because you know, access to healthcare is really hard now. Um, is a for someone to go to their doctor and go, look, I've tried X, Y, and Z, because because some people will use this and nothing will happen possibly. You know, which means you do need to you know definitely seek help, and it's not it's not a substitute for seeking medical advice. I have to kind of reinforce that, but yeah. but um, at least you can you know. A, a, my hope is that a lot of people will sort of do what's in this book and then not need to see someone. You know yeah. what I mean? So God knows what percentage, but I don't know, 40% or whatever will sort of say, well, hang on, actually, all this has sorted itself out. Um, but the other the other group where they think, well, it hasn't really gone away and they've got a res- an unresolved symptom, obviously need to, you know, go and seek help. But they should, hopefully they've done a lot of the doctor's work for them. I say doctor, but any healthcare provider, yeah. it doesn't have to be a doctor, it could yeah. be you know, a nurse, it could be a pharmacist, it could be, you know, a, you know, a nutritional therapist or a dietitian, it doesn't matter. But, but that way, you know, you, you've done your bit. Um, and hopefully, you know, I think the, the other difficult thing is a lot of people who use this and it works and they come back and they go, oh, I just wanted to say thanks, you know, I feel a lot better. They just want to feel even better. And that's where it gets challenging. But then all you do is you go back to the beginning and you just, and you refine, just and refine. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, you know, not to sound morbid, we're all going to die one day and we're all getting older. And so, you know, I, I, I don't know about you, but certainly my health now at, you know, peri 50 is better than it was at 40. And I, I'm not an angel. I don't, you know, I don't do everything right by any <laughs> means, you know. So um, I do, you know, I do probably 60% of what's in my own yeah, book. Yeah, yeah. You know, but we're all, you know, learning. I actually think that's quite refreshing. Because, you know, an author to say that they only do 60 to 70% of what they recommend in the book is just an admission of like how we're all on our own journey, right? And I, sometimes I think health nuts <laughs> that, yeah. that people follow um, are almost a bit too aspirational. It's almost like, you know, you've got to do the small steps to get there. And and sometimes it just seems a bit unachievable. And if you're trying to get that like beach body in 30 days or whatever, it's, it, you know, you're, you're on a losing path. So I think that's that's a really important, um, a really important part you said. And the other thing is, I did want to push back slightly on what you said about wanting to ensure that your colleagues make you know don't think that you're selling snake oil and whilst i think it's very important to be well regarded amongst your medical colleagues you also have to have a lot of conviction about your message and your compass and just ensuring that you know what you're putting out there is 100 percent your truth because you're always going to get people who 
for whatever whatever reason will have an opinion that is uh, antithetical to yours and call you out as a snake oil salesman when you're clearly not. Yeah, it's 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 a good point. I mean, um, you know, when I say snake oil, I mean, you know, the, the difficulty I think in medicine is that there are so many um, experts and I'm not going to name them, but in, early on in the book, I, I talk about a couple of people I have a huge amount of respect for who are experts, you know, the professors or whatever. Yeah. And one of the one of the things is, you know, why should someone read my book? You know, what have I got to offer apart from the fact I sort of fixed my own health? Mm. And the the reality is, is that I've been treating patients for for years, you know, and a, a lot of experts are, you know, that they they do amazing work, you know, and they present studies on on all sorts of things from you know circadian rhythm to you know vitamins and minerals or whatever but actually when you apply it to the individual that that's a, a totally different skill and that's what we do really well i think as as gps that's what part of our training we're experts in people and i try to kind of distill that into the book i think the other thing in, in medicine is that there are people who are specialists who who feel that you know all this stuff is sort of soft and fluffy mm. And they have the, you know, some of them quite arrogantly, you know, try and nullify things that, that they they don't really know about themselves, but they think, well, it's not that complicated because they're doing something much more technical. Yeah. Um, good for them. But, you know, um, and I'm, I'm not that worried about it, but of course there will be, you know, with any book, there's always going to be critics and, and I'm, I'm ready for that, you know, because yeah. I, I, I know what's in there is is solid there's a whole section actually on evidence-based medicine at the back of the book and in in some ways how how valid it is but also on the flip side how ridiculous it can be Mm -hmm. um and this book is very much about the individual it's it's not population health which is a slightly different thing so so i think um yeah we'll we'll see how it lands I'm, i'm i'm nervous but excited at the same time I think you should focus on the fact that it's going to help lots of people understand their health a lot better um, and gives people a framework in which to conceptualize symptoms because most people think about symptoms in that they record it, they go to the GP, the GP gives a prescription, they go away and it gets better. And I think what you're doing is perhaps, or it's definitely harder because that's actually where you get the most growth and the most value from Mm. seeing your GP, understanding your health a bit better. And I think that's what we've done very well. And one thing that I think is really important in the behavior section of the book is this whole concept of uh, consistency and essentially putting a behavior into place that actually, you know, is something that you can uh, maintain. And there's a, a line in the book that really stood out to me because I agree with it massively. And it's something that along the lines of health coaches are potentially the biggest unlock for the NHS. Mm. It's an underutilized resource that we really need to double down on. I wonder if you could talk a bit about health coaches and and how you see that being super important for the NHS going forward. Yeah, I I think, you know, luckily nowadays we... um, as GP surgeries who are part of these bigger organizations called primary care networks, Mm. we have access to health coaches. And my understanding is is that a health coach um, really has the time and skills and um, 
role that that will be able to kind of help people to change their behaviors and that's based on this assumption if you like that changing your behaviors changes your health because i think i think that brings me to this other thing about lifestyle medicine i actually don't like the term mm. i've never liked it it's just been put on whatever that might mean and actually lifestyle is a mixture of your habits or, or your behaviors and your environment that's all it is and in order to if we if we accept that sort of definition that i've effectively made up but that's how i understand it you know i'm not saying that's an official definition then behaviors is one big chunk of that you you can sort of change your environment but really you're going to have to change your behaviors if you're going to change your lifestyle and that's going to have an effect on your health mm. do you know what i mean so that's why i'm i'm excited about health coaching i i do think we haven't quite certainly in this country um yet unlocked their potential and and we haven't sort of see, some people do you know I've got a friend called Mo Seekerum who is um doing great things down in in south london with social prescribers and health coaches and he i think his that patch definitely has and some of the stories that he tells are just wow you know how did you get this person from here to here yeah. um and so yeah that 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 is exciting for me and i i i think it's it's all about behaviors and i think yeah. health coaches are are invaluable for that yeah because we're asking people to do pretty mammoth tasks you know even the uh the 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 commonest thing that i see it's getting people to quit smoking mm. or change their dietary habits right yeah it sounds simple the information is there but the implementation that's the really really hard bit and i think if you had that accountability with a regular health coach and that touch point yeah you know it makes it easier not you know not a walk in the park by any means but it definitely makes it easier and i think that's certainly an element that we need to like lean into in yeah. medicine and also and also groups i think you know yeah. health coaches can can run groups and something sort of magical happens in groups that doesn't happen one to one you know and 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 i from people who've done this you know um across you know the other side of the world you know in the, in the states um uh James Maskell actually, mm. you know, it gives it gives really good examples of where you know you, you think that oh because someone's got better or you know oh, well done well you know to that nurse or doctor that sort of changed this person helped this person change their behaviour but actually in groups it's much quicker and much more effective yeah. because the group itself support they support each other you don't really need the therapist or the practitioner involved beyond a certain point do you know what I mean and mm. I again that's something I'm I think would work very well in terms of maintaining health or groups you know people with chronic pain for example benefit a lot from that kind of setting whereas I think if you're constantly dependent on one practitioner mm. it, you know that's limited in some way yeah. that, that a group isn't yeah you, you mentioned throughout a number of different cases actually the mm -hmm. impact of um adverse childhood experiences as mm. well and I think uh, it's pretty undeniable and I think it's become a lot more common knowledge, particularly with people like Dr. Gabor Mate and then mm. the, the best-selling book, um, The Body Keeps the Score, that childhood experiences have a drastic impact on your propensity toward disease later on in life. This is an, an inconvenient truth for us general practitioners because within the confines of a very short uh, consultation, you have to sort of tease out what could be the root of a lot of issues that people are presenting with. 
I wonder how you broach these topics in consultations, yeah. particularly when you have to ask about a whole load of other things, you know, diet, lifestyle, yeah. what their stresses are like today, uh, considering, you know, we, we, we know how important it is. Again, really, really brilliant question. And, and I was talking about exactly this to a friend the other day. I think when, when you're a, a new or, or, or green GP, you can identify symptoms quite easily and you think, oh, hang on, it sounds like you've got anxiety, mm. for example. And then you sort of think, okay, counselling, maybe an antidepressant, you know, you have this sort of suite of things that you can offer this person. Um, that, that's all fine. But, but if you can sort of unearth where that's coming from, and you can't always do it in a 10 minute consultation, but actually if you lay things out, it, it can, and you just let the person talk, it becomes pretty obvious. And, and so actually psychiatrists do this really well. So psychiatry history will take sort of an, you know, yeah. my wife's a psychiatrist, but it will take an hour or more. Yeah. And I'm sure you remember this whole section called the personal history, like where you went to school, you know, what your family, you know, and that stuff is really important, you know. Um, and um, I'm not saying I go into the, those depths in a 10 minute consultation, but but often just by asking them their typical day and there's this thing in the book called a timeline which you can plot yourself which is really sort of your life on a, on a line and occasionally I've done that where I've drawn it out for someone with someone and they've just sort of burst into tears because mm -hmm. it suddenly just contextualizes why their health is what it is at this point in time. The, the, the two main things for me is not to sort of judge and be that person, you know, and, and you know, I've, I've got to admit, I, I, I've, I've seen this and I've, I've been like this myself years ago, where not really understanding why this person is just not stopping smoking or giving up drinking because it's killing them. Um, not understanding the trauma pain addiction cycle at all. I just didn't know about it. The yeah. fact that they don't, you know, they've, ended up like that because they've had some sort of trauma that leads to some emotional pain and that leads to a maladaptive behavior an addiction but but it doesn't always have to be a drug or anything it can be working too hard or just getting annoyed you know these behaviors um that harm us and the main thing is that i'm very compassionate with with this group you know there's no kind of shape it's like well you know you've got to stop drinking mm. that's not going to help that person because they they often go in cycles where they go oh, i've done it this time dr pandra you know I've, I've i haven't had a drink in 48 days you know and part of me and that person are thinking okay how long is this going to last because and it's not their fault mm. you know it's because of their past and and you know, and this, this, what really fascinates me is how people with trauma who, who grow up um, in an environment of chaos, say you grow up in a house where everyone's arguing all the time and there's constant stress, you sort of adapt yourself to cope in that environment. So when you're a grown up and you, you know, meet someone and you settle down or whatever, you're used to that kind of environment. So you can't sort of handle things being calm. So guess what? You cause disruption and suddenly you're arguing with your partner and you don't really know where that's come from, you know. Or, or anxiety is another big one. Some people get it because they have imposter syndrome. Some people have it because 
they don't think they're enough. You know, it's not just, oh, you've got anxiety. The treatment may be partly the same. Sometimes it's medication, sometimes it's, you know, changing their lifestyle. But I think, I think to sort of really, really help someone, it's important to get to the why of the why rather yeah. than what. You don't always need to deep, dig that deep, to be fair. Sometimes it's just like, yeah, I'm, I'm taking sertraline or citalopram and it's working and I'm just, you know, I'm okay, doc, thanks. Yeah. Fine, carry on yeah. with it. But, but yeah, sometimes you do need to dig a bit deeper, but you're quite right. You know, all of us have our story and, you know, I, I think there needs to be sort of more awareness that you just don't, you know, when you're walking down the, the road, you don't know what's going on in yeah. someone else's life, do you? And yeah. it's so easy to sort of judge. And um, I saw something very interesting recently, actually, talking about this sorry my brain's gone off on a tangent but there was a there's a a a games exchange shop in in the town i live in where you know they do sort of old xbox games and whatever and so my my son spends quite a bit of time in there sort of (laughs) and uh, anyway i was there and there was a uh, this was a few quite a few months ago there's a a guy standing in front of me who clearly had terrible anxiety he was shaking and um and you know and he had his son with him. And it, it was interesting because the way this, because he's so anxious, when he speaks, he comes across as really rude. And he spoke to the chap behind the counter and he, do, he, he just sort of, he went, how come this one's more expensive than that one or something? He just, you know, yeah, he yeah. Asked, oh, I can't yeah. remember, something like that. And the guy behind the counter, who's a nice guy, just went, oh, because um, that one's newer, a newer edition and he's like and this guy was like you know whatever and then suddenly the guy behind the counter went do you know what you are so rude aren't you you know you're always like this every time you come in you're banned from this shop and just banned him oh wow but it was was, the whole thing was like a mismatch because he just doesn't realise that this guy's he can barely speak because he's so anxious And, and that happens quite a lot in you know people who come across as being rude or quiet actually what's you just don't know what's going on yeah. inside and actually the more of their story that they understand and that you as a therapist understands the more you can help yourself or, or help the other person do you know yeah. what I mean and yeah. so this isn't one of those deep 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 dive books but it's deep enough to kind of think hang on a sec maybe I've got issues around control or yeah. trust or you know failure or you know it will it'll just It'll de- definitely open those doors, I yeah. think. And I think, I, I personally think that's really important. It's what's missing in in this modern world of, you know, everything's by clicks and apps and stuff, which is great. I've got nothing against that. But sometimes you just need to kind of look a bit deeper. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, it's interesting you mentioned that story because I've had two experiences, literally in the last two weeks, that are on par uh, with, with that. So I had a friend of mine, who had to sit down one of his employees because she'd been accused of bullying in the workplace. Everyone reported her as a toxic person. You know, you know, this is the root of all the issues that we have um, in in this company. And um, so sat her down, and uh, she just burst out crying. She's had issues at home. Uh, you know, uh, she'd had. Uh, a, a family member trying to commit suicide, like all these elements led to her behavior in the workplace that people just instantly label as toxic. And I'm not excusing any sort of behavior in the workplace, but dig a little bit deeper and you 
get to know the real sort of issues, the real causes, the, the root issues as to why that person has acted in that way. A, a sort of high level example for me, my car got smashed uh, the other day. Oh, no. uh, the police were called by a neighbor who saw the driver just do a hit and run basically. So I smashed into the side of the car, ran off, police came, woke me up because I go to bed at like 9.30 p.m. Um, and uh, so it took, gave us the details and said, yeah, the, this person, whoever they are, they've hit the car, this is the number plate. Um, we think it's the number plate, it's the wrong number plate. And they've uh, run off and I was like, what an asshole, you know, mm. these people, they, they always drive super fast down my road and all this kind of, I, I just made up the story in my head. Uh, next day, I get a, uh, a letter posted underneath the windscreen of my car, like I can't move because it's basically a write-off um, saying, really sorry I hit your car, was rushing to get to the hospital. Uh, my son was very sick. Here is my number, here are my details please just call me straight away. And that person must have left there at like six in the morning because um, I I get up fairly early and I, I just saw it that, yeah. that morning. And so it's it just, you know, like a, a scratching the surface of what we're talking about here, the, the root issues. I made up a story about whoever this person was who smashed into my car, yeah. you know, instead of essentially generating a more positive story. I, I could have, and it was just, you know, I could have made that story up like, oh, he must have, you know, smashed into a car, must have been in a rush, must have been in an emergency, and it actually was. Yeah. And that was the the, the sort of yeah. ironic nature of it. But that's a, it's a great point because that's, that story you made up, you can see how some people, um, people I know actually, would run away with that and go, yeah, actually this is like a really dangerous area and maybe I should just move house. You know, it just goes yeah. on and on and on and it just it totally spirals. Totally, you can, you yeah. Can, yeah, yeah. And it generates further thoughts. You know, like this always happens to me. I can't believe <laughs> exactly. this. Exactly. Uh, and to be fair, I was kind of going down that path myself and it's very easy to fall into that trap. So you, you actually yeah. do something in the book. It's a, like a flip, a quick flip. Is that what you? Yeah, flip exercise. Flip yeah, exercise, it's yeah. it's um again. This is I could the sort have done of thing that. <laughs> I could have used that exercise it's, last week. It's just you know, this is again. It's 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 just something to make you feel. You know, I'm not saying there's any kind of like massive scientific evidence behind it, but it's just something that works in the moment, mm. and it's basically flipping a positive example a positive um, spin on something negative. So if you've got negative thoughts all the time, or yeah. for example, your car is a really good example, you know, you, you kind of look at it and it's, I know what it's like because you sort of think every time you look at it, you just think, oh, you know. <laughs> but, um, and, and what you can do is, you know, say to yourself, do you know what, it could have been a lot worse. We could have been sat inside it and we could have been hurt, you know. Um, and, and a lot of people say, well, hang on, that's that's just nonsense, you know. But, but it, it does make you kind of, appreciate things a bit more and you kind of you you and if you start looking at things it's i don't i don't mean toxic positivity that's a, a different thing mm. but if you start sort of looking at things slightly differently it, it's much you know it's much it's much more difficult to sort of drag yourself down in that spiral of you know stinking thinking where mm. you just sort of like like we were saying a minute ago, go from going from your car being crashed into to sort of upping and moving sticks just because of one event, you know, that type of thing. Yeah. So it, it's just a quick fix. It's not for everyone. Not everyone will need it. It's just one of many tools. You know, the book is in in a way a toolkit as well as, yeah. 
your own health journey. So uh, that's one of them. The other one, I, I go through all the cognitive distortions, like you were saying, overgeneralizing mm. and, you know, kind of seeing things as black and white. Again, we all do this. Like you just said, oh, this always happens to me. You know, yeah. that, that's yeah. not true. That's just something that someone has as a false belief and yeah. how to get rid of them. So, so there are lots of nice little vignettes that are sort of, you know, to bolster this this central thing, you know, the yeah. health loop. Yeah, that's fab. Mm. So we've talked about the systems, mm. we've talked about the health loop with all those different factors. Mm. Coming up with uh, a diary or timeline, um, your uh, lifestyle prescription. And then you have this this term that you use throughout the book called the, the drawstring effect. Yeah, and yeah, I love that. I, I, I yeah. love that as well because I, I imagine the loop that's on literally yeah. on the front of your of your book yeah. cover and it all sort of coming together. Yes. I, I wonder if you could talk a bit about the drawstring effect. Yeah, yeah. That, so this is just something I, I experienced myself when, when I was unwell. And actually just to give you a flavor of that and, and you know not ruin the, the opening of the book, I, I really went from being relatively healthy to just not being able to function, honestly. I mean, I was, and, and actually I, I did a TEDx talk years ago and that was kind of when it was, cause I couldn't remember my talk. I, I, and I remember thinking, God, my brain is not working. What is going on here? And, um, and at the time I was doing a health program at the BBC and I was going in every Wednesday um, and I just could not remember my lines, even like one line, to a piece to camera, I'd be like, Sorry, what was that again? You know, and I, I, I didn't know what was going on. And at the same time, I was really t fatigued. My joints were, I couldn't move. I remember I couldn't move my neck at give ways. It was that bad, you know, and um, what else? Yeah, my, my digestion had just gone to pot. You know, I, I just was not well. And it took me, I haven't revealed in the book what it was actually, but there was, there was, it took me a while, six months or so, to really figure out what happened. But once I, the, once I sort of changed one thing, um, and the first thing for me was actually at, at that time changing my diet. So I suddenly went on what I guess you could call a paleo diet. Mm. So it was mainly sort of, you know, vegetables, meat, fish, nuts, and a few fruits. And literally within two weeks, I remember thinking, no, it was quicker than that even. It was about 10 days. I was thinking, wait a second, you know, not only is my gut working better, but I can, I can move my neck, you know. And it wasn't because I was pre-diabetic or anything, you know, that yeah. it's irrelevant why in a way. But, and I, I just sort of started to feel better. And, and the point being that once you make one change, even if you've got other symptoms, everything else just tightens up you know mm -hmm. suddenly it's like hey i'm not feeling tired now at the end of my my daily walk I, you know my my ankles aren't hurting or you know and you just you'll notice these things and i hope by the at the end of the book when you notice what's happened by the end of week one and week two you'll, you'll make a note of the things that have improved and, and and it's 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 exactly that so once one thing improves everything else starts to magically improve yeah i say magically which yeah. makes it again sound <laughs> yeah. like snake oil it's not mad i don't I mean it's sort of you know as a, as a metaphor but just it, and i'm sure people have noticed this um you know a good example for me when was the last time i noticed something like this probably when i gave up coffee for a bit, quite a bit, several months it was eventually, I've gone back to it now, but I drink a lot less. But I, I'd forgotten to, it, it's one of my behavior change things, it's called a happy accident, yeah. where you, you, you sort of, 
do something without meaning to do it. I hadn't planned on giving up coffee. I was just so busy one day, I'd forgotten to have it and rushed out of the house. And then by the afternoon, I thought, I haven't had any coffee today, but do you know what? I feel more awake. I felt, felt better. <laughs> yeah. And so I did it the next day and thought, wait a minute, I feel even better. I wasn't quite as irritable. And, and then I did it the next day and the next day. And then I thought, and then a lot of things started to improve. My sleep got better. My energy levels got better. You know, it's that drawstring effect. Yeah. And that was just one intervention, you could call it, you know, one little thing. And I just thought, wow, that's amazing. You know, so sometimes, you know, just, but, but, and there are lots of books out there that, that talk about small changes and changing one thing. But it doesn't lay out your story. There's no point in... That one was an accident, and I didn't actually even think about my caffeine intake. But now that I do, if I'd use my own method, I was drinking a lot. You know, I'd have two cups before I left the house, then yeah. another one as soon as I got into work, and then maybe one slightly... Not. I don't tend to drink caffeine in the afternoon ever, but, but I'd, I'd sort of have one at lunch time and, yeah. and that's quite a lot of yeah just you know using I mean? that heuristic of too much of something or too little exactly yeah yeah and you can look at it in any way the too much too little or or it's a happy accident you know or yeah. it's a yeah so um yeah there's something for everyone in there <laughs> yeah. there really is you know but well the other thing i'm nervous about there's a couple of swear words in there and so <laughs> my um although i sort of dedicated the book to my kids i'm not really hoping they don't read it because it's sort of the, the, the f word appears a couple of times in there but that's just you know anyway people people saying that word rather than that you yeah yeah exactly yeah yeah the genuine accounts of patience yeah <laughs> Yeah. I was, I was going to ask, what, what are you using your ideal framework for right now? Do you have things that you're, you're working on? Or? Um, so the, the two big things in my life right now is I'm, I don't get enough sleep. So yesterday, for example, I got home at um, about 9.30 or something. And so and then I had a load of other work to do. And, so, you know, in general practice, it's like, oh, the day mm. just starts when mm. your work day finishes. And then I knew I was coming here. And I thought, oh, pants, I better look at some notes, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, and so before you know it, you look at the kitchen clock and it's like, oh my, you know, it's like 12.30 or something. And so, so I'm a bit red eyed from that. But so sleep is something I really want to improve. And again, what I learned from patients, someone I saw a few years ago who was just as I'm about to turn 50 and, and these decade birthdays, like 40, 50, yeah, 60. Yeah big sort of moments for a yeah. lot of people aren't they and, and this particular person was taking stock and, and and again when I was asking him about his typical day he goes well the one thing I've learned is you know you've got to get to bed by 10 o'clock I wish I'd known that 20 years ago and and I'm like yeah you're yeah. right you know and that that's one of the things like in the back of the book the hacks you know where if you if you were someone that didn't need any behavior change and you just did everything you know that's one of them. So, you know, get to bed at the same time every day if you can and get up at the same time and get to bed early, you know, and don't go to bed with a full stomach. That, that if you just do that, that yeah. the drawstring effect from that one thing yeah. will kind of, you know, and a lot a lot of, you know, some of my colleagues or or people kind of go, well, hang on, you, you, you saw this, this girl and apparently her IBS has sort of gone. And that's not because... I've not done anything actually. She's just made some changes in in her routine, like the how, what, and when, yeah. you know. And so, yeah, it, it, it's it's. Um, I've lost my thread now, but it's sort of yeah, it, it, you know, th those things are really 
important. And I think sleep is a big one for me. The other one is, yeah, give it my, my I've been sort of slightly sort of busy at work with colleagues, you know, or sick mm. or whatever. And so that has meant stress levels have gone up because it's been so busy and I've noticed I've been craving more comfort foods, yeah. you know, that monkey brain yeah, thing. And yeah. so someone brought in a load of brownies the other day and, <laughs> yeah. and I was just sort of staring at them thinking, if I, if I have one, then I'm gonna gonna have another one and another one, another one. And then it was it was a practice kind of meeting and so and everyone else is having them. And <laughs> yeah. and I was thinking and then you know there is this sort of pressure as well, isn't there, thinking well, people think I'm weird if I don't have yeah. one, which is not true. But, but, um, and so I've been, I've been giving myself a few more treats than normal. And it's, you know, it's been that time of year, isn't it? So, yeah. so, um, so, I, you know, I'm not perfect. And so I'm, I'm working on those, this thing about trying to get to bed earlier. Yeah. But, and the ideal framework, yeah, I guess I've identified that I don't you've get enough sleep. Like, yeah, I was going to say, you've done your eye. Yeah, <laughs> so do, the defining bit is kind of, you know, I guess not, you know, on a school night, not staying up beyond a certain time, which I haven't really set yet, so I haven't completely defined it. So I'm stuck between the D and the E. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but but something always crops up, doesn't it? You know, um, you've got to be quite disciplined, really. Well, the next time um, that we talk, you're going to have done that D, E, and A. I hope so. Yeah, I won't be looking quite so bleary eyed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I really hope so. But um, yeah, and yeah, life's just very busy, isn't it? I think you know. I, I, I was having a chat with a friend the other day and how time, you know, is the most precious commodity, isn't it? And, and you know, after, after for me, after 40, just zips away. And again, if you listen carefully to what, you know, you learn so much from patients mm. over the years and a lot of them will say it, it just goes really quickly or, or some of them will say, you know, when my kids were young and I was sort of tired and grumpy because they were sort of keeping me up at night, they'd go, oh, these are the golden years. And I'm like, really? Are you kidding me? And now I sort of think, oh, yeah, actually, they were so cute, you know, when they were little, but, you know, and, and, and you're worried that actually you haven't got that much time with them because at some point they leave home and then, you know, it, it goes, doesn't it? So I'm trying to be a bit more mindful of those things, really. And, um, yeah, trying to suck the marrow out of life while I can. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good analogy. Yeah. Well, mate, I, I love it. And I think the health fix is actually going to be useful for a lot of people working within the NHS because I think a lot of the cases could be attributable to people who have stressful jobs, they're on the run the whole time, they don't necessarily make the healthiest choices and they can't stick to a behaviour that they know inherently as a result of being mm. you know, part of the medical workforce that is going to be beneficial for them in the long term. And so utilising some of those uh, hacks at the end, but also the sort of understanding of how interrelated all those different systems are is going to be game-changing for a lot of people. And hopefully they become evangelical about the drawstring effect and the ideal yeah, framework. I, I really hope so. And, you know, I was thinking about you the other day because you, you know, you've been sort of going to hospitals and doing these sort of pop-up yeah. canteens, which is yeah. amazing. And and one of the things that I love about that is, and what I remember, you, every NHS doctor loves hash browns, don't they? Because that is like <laughs> a, a, an absolute sort of, not there's, there's anything wrong with them, but they're, they're tasty, but that, that is what you get in a hospital yeah, canteen. Yeah. And the, the sort of diversity of what you get and nowadays you go in and there'll be a, a big coffee shop coffee shop chain normally yeah. in each hospital. But and and I'm not saying it's unhealthy, but what's on offer is kind of 
limited and when you're sort of tired and stressed which you are in those jobs you immediately reach for the 100%. comfort yeah. stuff you know i do it if, you know and again this is the thing about if i've got that stuff at home i will will, will will just go for it and what what you know what you're doing i think is is sort of actually you know if you eat something that's got i don't know butternut squash and chickpeas yeah. and you know some harissa or whatever you you that's just so much more satisfying and i think you're right. I'm, I'm hoping people in the NHS do sort of see this as an adjunct, you know, where they've ruled stuff out, you know, but actually, you know, and it's not all about one thing, is it? And your your thing is very much food and recipes, which you're amazing at. And I, I really hope that, um, yeah, pe- it lands well with people. I, I sort of played down the, the diet because I think a lot of people are going to buy this thinking, yeah, he's going to talk about diet. diet. It's all going to be about diet. Yeah, yeah. No. Not really. It's, <laughs> it's one bit, you know, yeah. and it is important. And Again, I've rationalised it. It's like, you know, if you eat highly processed foods, you won't feel great because your immune system doesn't know how to sort of react to that. So it will start to kind of react abnormally at some point. Mm-hmm. But if you eat whole foods, you're probably okay. And then we drill down a little bit into a case where someone had high blood sugars and, and that needs a slightly different approach mm-hmm. with, you know, low refined carbohydrates and eating healthy healthy carbs effectively yeah. your vegetables so so it's sort of cutting cutting your cloth really for yourself in a way yeah because so. there's a really good mix of of stories that you've got in there ranging from people who clearly to any reader would recognize okay that's definitely a process diet we need to fix that to you know many athletes that have got a great diet but they have other elements of their lifestyle that could be impacting as to why they have symptoms. Exactly. So I think that you know really sets out exactly why the book is so adaptable to a lot of people, and hopefully it gives gives them a grander understanding. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. It's been no, of course. an absolute pleasure. I can't wait, and we'll, we'll definitely have to do this again soon when uh, we can talk about the reaction to the book as well. Oh, amazing! Thanks, mate. Epic, Brilliant. Man. Good to see you. Yeah, good <laughs> seeing you. That was epic. That was really good. Thanks, mate. Oh, I was really, I really enjoyed that. It was great. Good. Yeah. Good. I'm glad. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of the podcast. Remember, you can get The Health Fix wherever good books are sold, online and in store. Plus, do listen out for Ian's amazing podcast. It is called Saving Lives in Slow Motion. I listen to it every week. It is only five minutes long and it is full of actionable tips that you can put into practice every single day. I think it's fab. And do check out the Eat, Listen, Read newsletter. I will see you here next time. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 